And if there has ever been a time in the history of this planet, we need people to rise up and to be encouragers. There's so much negative publicity, negative things going on. Um, so we need, if anybody should be an encouraging voice, it should be the church. I said it should be the church. Let me rephrase it in another way. It should be you. It should be you. All right? And so um, I just want to encourage everybody today, and um, there's some things I'm going to bring up. But, um, you know, I know this. Christianity is really miserable if you're trying to do it and trying to live it. There's been many years I was saved when I was seven years old. And uh, because I didn't want to go to hell, the pastor preached on hell. So as soon as he gave the invitation at seven, I knew that I didn't like fire. So I ran to the front and said, I just want to make sure I don't go there. But then throughout most of my life, I tried to live and serve God in such a way. And I was most of my life growing up years were miserable trying to please God and because I was always fail, fa- falling and doing that. But Christianity is Christ living through you, not you doing and trying, but Christ living through you. It was never to be apart from Christ. Your life and my life was never supposed to be lived apart from Christ. People are still trying to live for God through the old covenant. If you look at the Old Covenant, it was basically, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you're going to have judgment. And a lot of people throughout the world are still having that mentality. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4, it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. Everybody say, God did. did. Who did it? God. You and I did not do anything. It said, for the law, it could not do. God did it, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You know, a lot of us, we say, you know, Jesus died for us. Jesus died for you. But not only did he die for you, he died as you. He died as you. In other words, you died too. Galatians 2.20 says, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Well, he wasn't on the cross with Christ. But he says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me. He realized that he was in in him and Jesus were one on the cross together. He, Jesus died. So did Paul. So did you. Jesus was put in the grave. So was Paul. So were you. All of us. Jesus was resurrected. Placed at the right hand of the Father God. So were we, resurrected, placed at the right hand of God. Hallelujah. So, no condemnation because the age of the law is finished. There is no more 
condemnation. People say, well, I feel bad sometimes, you know, if I do wrong. Well, there is a conviction that God wants you to know that you did wrong, but I'm going to help you. Condemnation said you did wrong, you big bad sinner you. Conviction is you did wrong, here's my hand to help pull you up out of that mess. So, you know, if people, if you say this or if you heard people say, well, if you really love God, you need to do and fill in the blank. If you really love God, you would do this. Or if you really love God, you would fill in the blank. That is old covenant relationship with God. It's not new covenant. In verse 2 of chapter 8, it says four. It starts off with four. And that word means this is the reason. Why is there no longer no more condemnation? Verse 2 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. That's why there's no longer condemnation. For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free. You know, a law is something that has no exceptions. It's a law. It works all the time. If I drop this water bottle here in Pueblo, Colorado, I know how to say that word, it's going to fall to the ground. And I'm not going to do it because it could possibly bust. But anyway, but if I go to Kalimi, Congo, where Mom and Dad Hagemeyer are, and drop it in the Congo, it will fall to the ground. If I go 35,000 feet up in the air in an aircraft, and while I'm inside that aircraft, I drop it inside the plane, it will fall to the ground. Why? It's the law of gravity. It works. You don't have to have faith for lo- the gravity. You know, you don't see every once in a while some people floating up. Oh, they lost their faith in gravity. <laughs> there they go. Poor them. Have a nice trip to outer space. No, it's a law. It always works. So the law of sin and death, what is it? It's a law, and it always works. Someone says something unkind to you, and I'm just going to tell a part of the law of sin and death. You know, everybody in here has had something said unkind to you. Maybe this morning. Maybe on the way to church. God forbid it was your spouse. But anyway, it could have been. And what happens when somebody says something ugly to you? You feel it. You feel it. And people respond in different ways. In different ways. Some show their anger. You know, obviously a lot of people are doing this on the planet now. If something's done, people are showing their anger. You know, you get cut off, people show their anger. Somebody says something nasty to somebody and their first response could be anger and just like, oh, yeah, your mother dresses you funny too. So there. Some respond in a different way. They just smile. Somebody saying really, I mean, cussing them out, saying all kinds of ugly things, and they just smile. And you think, wow. No, but on the inside, they are imploding. They are a nuclear bomb is going off on the inside of them. They're just not expressing it, but they're responding in a very negative way. I tell you this funny thing that happened. This is, it just came to me. There's a plane, you know, all the planes are getting messed up and 
canceled and everything, this one businessman, he went up and he started chewing the, uh, the stewardess out. You know, I've got a beer and I'm supposed to do this. And I've got a meeting. Like she can change everything, you know. I, she can, oh, well, let me just get that aircraft up in the air for you. But uh, so she, I mean, she was just smiling, just smiling. And the guy was cussing her out. Everybody behind her just getting embarrassed and feeling sorry for her. She said, sir, I've got it all taken care of. Okay, here you go. You're going to be on your way. Let me have those bags. And took care of the bags and smiled and said, have a great trip. And he took off. The next person came up and went, wow, I have never seen anybody respond. I mean, that guy was just the rudest man on the I've never how did you, what in the world, how did you do that? Oh, that's okay. He's going to Minneapolis, but his bags are going to Japan. <laughs> He'll get his luggage sometime next week. <laughs> so you never know how people, what people, I thought that was a lot funnier than what you all responded. I'm just, just saying when I heard that, I laughed for a long time. But anyway, and then there's other people who respond in a very emotional way, and they start crying. can't believe you said that about me. I just can't believe it. I just thought, man, how can you say that? And self-pity, and they just, oh. And then they get spiritual. You know, I just know the devil's really after me. The devil's really after me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a good way to respond. The devil's after me, so you're going to cry and let everybody know that the devil's after you. But there is a higher law that is above sin and death. You know, like gravity, which is a law, but there is a law of lift and thrust that supersedes there is above gravity. And so even though, you know, steel cannot fly. I don't know, but you can throw your shovel up in the air. You can throw any kind of piece of metal up in the air. It will not take off. You don't go... Look at that. Look at it. Look at it go. No, steel doesn't fly. But if you shape it aerodynamically, put a couple of engines on it, and now you have the, the law of lift and thrust that supersedes the law of gravity. It will not fall. The law of sin and death is always pulling on mankind. Now, we've been freed from the law, all laws. You understand? Jesus set us free from the law and fulfilled the law. But that law is still on this planet. It says there is a law of sin and death. And it is pulling on you, me, you and me and everybody for the law of spirit of life. Romans 8, 2 says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. But this is a problem with the law of lift and thrust. When you're inside an aircraft at 35,000 feet, you step outside of that aircraft. Now, you're in the law of gravity, and you will fall at 35,000 feet. The law of gravity will take over. You cannot produce a godly reaction in your own strength. Righteousness is God producing the action in your life and in my life. And we all have been made righteous. But again, just like being forgiven, 
You have to yield to that and believe that you are forgiven. It's the same thing about righteousness and producing godly actions. A good work is when God originates the action within you. Even if you fake the right reaction in your life, it's not righteousness unless God is the source of it. What is the law of the spirit of life in Christ? That's what we have. It's the very life of Christ lives inside of you and me. He will produce his life in your actions. And what religion has done for most of us is that we have taken that out of the equation and we have to produce the actions. When you recognize your weakness and you trust him to produce his strength in that situation. The reason I'm speaking on this is because there's times that I struggle in this area. When somebody says something unkind to me. I know it's hard to, I know some of you are going, no, I just can't believe. I know, believe it or not, some people do, some people have. When we yield and recognize our weakness, his strength comes into effect. That's when his strength comes alive inside of you and me. We can no longer live the Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit any more than an aircraft can fly without engines. The engines are to the aircraft as the Holy Ghost is living and walking out the Christian life. It's impossible for a plane to fly without engines. It's impossible for you and I to live the Christian life without yielding to the Spirit of God. We're all Christians. But we can yield to the law of sin and death, even though we've been free from it. We've been free from it. But boy, can we yield to it. I mean, I just need this awakening inside of me. You know, I need it to be awakened. Our life is not a changed life that it, we no longer need Jesus. Oh, my life has been changed. And so you think, okay, and you can live your life you think, I no longer need Jesus. But it's an exchange life that we are exchanging our weakness for his strength by acknowledging that he is here within us and we're trusting him. You know, it's kind of like um, when somebody does something bad to you, you just internally, you process and say, you know what, Jesus, you are so good. You are so good. And I just want you to know, God, right now, I've got nothing. In this situation, I mean, they're saying something very hurtful. And just so you know, I got nothing, and so I'm relying, depending upon you. That will change your response. I don't know about you, but this helps me. And so I'm preaching this to help me. And if it helps you, okay. Feelings of anger and hurt are reminders that you and I are weak in our own strength and our own self. When you feel angry, it's just like a warning light on your dashboard. Yep, you're weak. You are weak in your own strength. But we don't have just our own strength. But you can respond. You can respond in your own strength. 
did it this week. I don't know about you. Everybody just keep looking for it, but I already did it this week. I did it. I did it. Can't wait to preach this message on Sunday because, man. <laughs> this is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. This is Paul, man. This dude was having heart. Now, can you imagine people following him, going town to town when he was preaching, spending their own money, following him, only, not because, oh, we want to hear the man of God. No, to ridicule him, to say that he was a false prophet, and just town after town, city after city, they were doing this. This man is a false prophet. He's trying to take us away from the law of Moses. He's trying, religious people doing this. So, man, I mean, can you imagine? That would get old, like after the second city. So, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, so Paul was praying, God, help, you know, take this away from me. Take this away. Take this away. Or maybe inwardly he was saying, take them away. Take them away. Take these people out of my life. You may have not prayed that. Maybe you have prayed that. But, you know, <laughs> Lord, you know, uh, you know, if you ever want to go into the mafia business, I want you to take that one out. You are my Godfather. That is a prayer that won't get answered. <laughs> he may be your God and he may be your father, but he is not the God father. Verse 9 says, but Paul says, but he answered me. My grace is always more than enough for you. My grace is more than enough. He was wanting the situation out here to change. Change these people, God. Take them out. Move them. Tell them to quit following me. Do something with these people. It's these people. Ministry is great if you just didn't have people. Walking in love is great if you just haven't, didn't have any people around. So Paul was going through this, just like you and me. God answered him, my grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression. Listen to this. My power finds its full expression through your weaknesses. In other words, when you and I finally get to the end of our rope, oh, I just can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore, God. God is going, about time. Most of us, though, we pull ourselves up by the bootstrap and go, bless God, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to do this. I can do this. And you get that out there in your own strength, and, and then, you know, you, somebody says something ugly to you, and you go, you just grit your teeth and you smile, but on the inside you're imploding and you think you've succeeded. No, you haven't. You're just giving yourself an ulcer, that's all. He says, My power finds its full expression through your weakness. So Paul says, I will celebrate my weaknesses. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the power of Christ living in me. Man. Now, just so people don't get in a ditch on me, weakness is not sickness and poverty. Jesus delivered us from that. That's not the weakness he's talking about. He's talking about weakness in your flesh and your own strength. In your own strength. I can do this all by myself. I'm just going to pull myself up. I'm just going to do this. We'll see how far that gets you. In the Passion, there's a little note. In chapter 8, it says, 
the power of Christ rests upon me like a tent or a tabernacle. The power of Christ rests upon me like a tent or a tabernacle. In other words, when you call upon God to help you because we are weak, he says there is a tent or a tabernacle that's put over you to protect you, to keep you from all harm. See, I believe this is the Christian walk that we are missing. I believe it's possible to live on this planet and to never get your feelings hurt. I believe it's possible to never lose your joy. Grant, I'm not there. I don't know. Are you there? I'm not there. But, I mean, it is possible, and this is what Paul was talking about. It is possible, and this is what God wants us to live. And there's an ever time in history we need to get a hold of this because people are saying some ugly things. Ugly. Ugly. And if you give your opinion about something, you can rest assured that it will not go unnoticed, that somebody will jump on you. Oh, my goodness. But I believe it's possible. I believe it's possible to live an offense-free life like Jesus. I believe it's possible that you never have to lose your joy. And really, we say lose your joy. It's the most correct way to say it is you gave your joy to them. You gave your joy to them. You know, I've said this illustration. I still love it. I believe this illustration came from God to me for about 10 years ago. You know, you, you got an AK-47. You got all these guns strapped on you, grenades in your pocket, and the bandetta, you, and the sword. You are just loaded. You are a one-man army. Somebody knocks on the door. It's the guy in the mask. He says, I'm here to rob you. And you look at him. He has no weapons. And you go, oh, and you give him your sword and your AK-47, your shotgun, and, and your, all your grenades, your bombs. You go, okay, here you go. Now he has the ability to use them on you. Every time you lose your joy or get offended, that is what is happening. Ow! God, these people are just really hurting me. They just, can you just shut their mouth? Take some spirituals thread and needle and just sew their mouth together. Can you do that for me, God? No. Can you just remove that? No. But God, this is what Paul prayed, not once, not twice, three times. God, take this away, take this away. And finally, God says, no, but my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. In other words, it's more than enough. You're having this issue. I've got this much grace for this issue, and you're not using it. You're not using it. I said, you're not using it. Your whining and complaining is not going to change the world, but I've given you power and authority. Luke 10, 19, I've given you power and authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. So if you're getting hurt, it's because you gave them the gun. Here, would you shoot my foot for me? It's going to hurt. I know. Go ahead. And then we tell people, I I got shot in the foot. You won't believe what they said about me. It was just so terrible. Oh, come here. And then we stroke them. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. What we should be doing is telling them the truth so they can never be hurt again. You have the ability to do that. Like I said, don't get me wrong. I got hurt this week, so I mean, 
it happens. But I know the more of this you walk in, the less hurt you will get. Are you out there? I mean, if you got hurt 10 times a week and you responded four times in a great manner and the grace of God flowed through you, that's better than 10. You know, I used to be 100%, you know. Somebody offended me 10 times, I got angry 10 times. Now, I don't know what it is, but it's, a lot, it, it's got to at least be 50%. That's better than, okay, I'm not getting any help in here, but <laughs> God wants us to be aware of our weakness. Why? So that we will rely upon his strength. Lord, I can't take this anymore, so you, I'm, I'm, I need you. Okay. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. We will always need to be dependent upon God to let his life live through us. Because in your own strength, you're going to sign. You said what? Okay. Let's go. More than likely, bam. That happened to me a lot of times as a kid. I thought I was bigger on the inside than what I really was. Obviously, their fists showed me I was wrong. Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6 says this. Don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have. Now, people get in a ditch on that. I'm not going to teach on that. But that that's just basically means, if you see the financial teaching about, don't make God money your God. Always rely, and again, trust upon him. And then you can be a multi-billionaire. For you always have God's presence. For hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you alone, never And I will not loosen my grip on your life. That is a promise. God will never leave you. He will not loosen his grip upon you. You say, I just don't feel God. He's there. I don't know if he's close or not. He's got his hand gripped around you. So we can say with great confidence, I know the Lord is for me. I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. Most of the church... Is afraid of what people will do to them. And this is the word of God. Because we have Christ, we should never be afraid of what people will do to us. I need a bigger amen than that. Come on now. I said, come on now. I mean, when somebody starts getting ugly at you, you go, I'm a child of the king. I'm royalty. Do you think that, you know, the, the, the queen of um, England, you know, she, that she walks around. She's, you know, 50 million years old, and she's still walking around. And that was rude. I shouldn't have said that. She's old. But anyway, she walks around, and she still holds her head up high. She's not afraid of anything. People can say anything they do. She doesn't care. Why? She is the queen. She's the queen. But you know what? She knows she's the queen. She knows she's the queen. She doesn't care if the whole nation of England starts saying ugly things. She could care less because she says, I live in my castle, and I am the queen, and you're not. She doesn't let people affect her. Well, Romans 8, 5 says, for those who are walk according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Living according to the flesh, you act and live as if there is no God. That's basically what that means. Are you hearing me? 
You act and live as if there's no God. Living according to the Spirit, you live knowing that the Holy Spirit is within you. And you know that is where my help comes from. You know that's where my help comes from, is from God. That's living according to the Spirit. So verse 6, he says, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life. How do I know if my mind is full of flesh? It's full of anything but life and peace in your life? Then it is. It says, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is what? Life and peace. So how do I know if I've got my life full or my mind full of the flesh? It's because I do not have life and peace going on. It's pretty easy. Passion Translation says it this way, Romans 8, 7. In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot. For no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. This is a quote by Malcolm Smith. This is good. Listen to this. Christian life may be summed up as the consciousness that Christ lives in us and we draw upon his infinite life in every situation we find ourselves in. That means as we grow in Christ and become mature, we will have an increasing sense of our own weaknesses that we might no longer trust in ourselves and so proportionately live from his strength. Mind of the flesh. Here's some things that you may feel if you know you're having mind of the flesh. He's more successful than me. That makes me feel bad. I hope he fails. Are you ready? She is so attractive. I feel threatened by her. I like to believe bad things about her, and I probably will spread those to other people. Here's the mind of the spirit. When I face an emergency situation or some tragedy, my first response is going to be to expect God to be with me. When people condemn me or oppose me, my first thoughts are God supports me because he loves me. I don't have to appease them. I don't have to blast them. I can want what is good for them. Kind of like what Jesus said, love your enemies, you know. I can bless someone who curses me. I can love someone who's difficult to love when my mind is on God and I'm trusting him for strength. Let me just say this. This is not something that you're, okay, I'm going to have to try harder. You missed it. You missed it. This is what will come out of you when you turn your attention towards God. It comes out. You squeeze a sponge. Whatever's in the sponge comes out. So when you're squeezed, you say, you know what, God? My mind's been on you. I'm trusting you. I've got nothing, so I'm going to believe you. You're going to help me. What comes out? Love. I'm sorry that you feel that way about me. You know, I'm just sorry. And can I pray with you? No, you can't pray for me. Okay, well, I just want you to know that I love you and I appreciate you. And I'm going to love you. And I know our Heavenly Father loves you. I'm going to pray for you. The mind can be a gateway to the supernatural. Your mind can be a gateway to the supernatural just by this simple process 
of knowing that you're weak and relying, trusting upon him. We're not to try to be supernatural. You know why? Because you are supernatural. We just don't believe it. We just don't believe it. Your mind will think most about what it is most exposed to. There's a quote. We were in this conference. Jim Baker said this. He's Jim Baker who lives in Ohio. He's not the Jim Baker on television. Just so you know. He said this. Every new season of your life requires an upgrade of your view of God. Every season of your life New season of your life requires an upgrade of your view of God. In other words, if you're still seeing God as you did 20 years ago, you're missing it. It should be a continual upgrade. It should be a continual revelation of God. Why? Because he's infinite. It should be getting better and better and better and better and better and better. In case you didn't get it, and better and better and better. And if it's not getting better, if, you, if it ever plateaus, your view of God is wrong. How's that? So, I'm closing. I'm going to an extra 15 minutes. Where do you need life and peace at today? Where do you need life and peace? Where have you given up your peace and given up your life? Where, do you, where have you given? This is not to condemn you because Romans 8 says there's no condemnation. But this is to be a dashboard warning like to say, okay, God, I haven't been giving you the strength. I haven't been allowing your strength to flow through me. I'm obviously weak in that area, and I didn't even know it. I've just been yielding to my feelings. Just been yielding to my feelings. So anytime, any place in your life that you don't have peace in life, you can rest assured that you're not yielding, but you're doing this in your own strength. How's that been working for you? No condemnation. We just need to be awakened to something. We need to be awakened to Christ in you. He never leaves you. He's never lost his... Oh man, he's got the grip on you. I mean, the grip just wrapped around you. Like, I don't feel you, God. I don't know you. Are you really there? Really? Really? But, you know, I just really need to sense something. I just really, no. We walk by faith and not by sight or feeling. His word says, my grip's on you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Matter of fact, when you yield to me, when you say that you're weak in that area and you need help, I'm going to just flow my strength through you. Man, if you, if you and I meditate on this, instead of 10 times of reacting 10 times badly, it'll go down to 8, 6, 4, 2. I believe if we just yield to God, I can tell you this, guaranteed, 100% of the time, you yield to God 100% of the time, you will respond in a negative way zero times. Why? Because it's not you and I doing it. It's him. Sam.